With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thursday, February 4th, 2016, and we are your UFC main event killer leader, copyright Dan Barrero, here on the MMA Torch podcast. I am MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennick, joined once again by MMA Torch senior columnist Sean Ennis. Sean, good to have you back on the show. Uh, it's be been back. a little while. Uh, good to chat with you again. Um, as I said, we are your UFC main event killer leader as uh, we've, we've had some shakeups here in the last week and a half uh, that have brought some changes to February fight cards. Most pressing of which is Saturday's UFC Fight Night 82 event, which was supposed to be UFC 196. Uh, the name change came after Fabricio Verdum and Cain Velasquez both dropped out last week due to uh, respective injuries meaning that this was no longer a viable pay-per-view card. Uh, first, it was Cain Velasquez pulling out. The UFC tried to book uh, Stipe Miocic in against Verdum, and Verdum essentially said, well, you know, if it was Cain, I'd, I'd keep going, but I've got some stuff that I don't feel like fighting through against Miocic. Um, so now we have Johnny Hendricks fighting Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in the main event on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Sean, we'll, we'll talk about UFC on Fox 18 and, uh, maybe the Bellator results from Friday night, and we've got some other stuff to hit as well, but really with, uh, this card two days away now, I want to talk about the, the changes that, uh, have been made and, and the UFC's decision here to downgrade to Fox Sports 1, uh, as well as how this will affect the pay-per-view schedule going forward. So we've got a, a few things to take apart here with UFC Fight Night 82, which is the new designation for this event. First off, when you uh, first saw, you know, Cain Velasquez got hurt last week, and then through the Miocic booking to Fabricio Verdum, how were you reacting to the UFC's decision-making on this front? Because we went from having a rematch that wasn't necessary for, for the UFC's uh, annual Super Bowl weekend event to a replacement fight that worked but wasn't necessarily the, the 
great on short notice to them actually renaming a card and taking it off of pay-per-view, which is uh, an unprecedented move on their part. So just kind of go through your uh, the way that you saw all of this playing down la- uh, playing out last week um, for the changes for Saturday night. Uh, I actually thought it was pretty much the right decisions all the way around. Um, you know, uh, Miocic getting a, a, a shot on short notice obviously isn't ideal for him, um, and apparently wasn't ideal for Verdum either since he pulled out after that happened. Um, but, you know, it, he was the right guy to put in there if you're going to do that. And then when Verdum pulled out, the right move again was to pull the card from pay-per-view and put it on TV Um you know, obviously it was a it's it's a night that was available for for Fox, Fox Sports One, like most nights are, and um, it was uh, it was the right move to to do it. So, you know, as far as the renumbering, you know, I think that probably opens up um, the possibility of having another event. Uh, you know, between um, I guess probably between the old 198 and 199, right? Probably in like May or June or something like that. Um, so I imagine they'll probably stick another event in there somewhere. So they're probably not shedding too many tears over this. And I'm, I'm glad that they, they chose to go this route rather than uh, just scrapping UFC 197 and calling Fabricio Verdum a sport killer. Well, and here's here's how we're going to wrap up, because, or how, we're, how it's all going to tie together, because uh, you're right, they were initially going to skip a month on pay-per-view leading into UFC 200, because they set the date for UFC 200 as July 9th, and they... Uh, already had needed to skip a month to make it UFC 200 for that July date. Uh, Historically, they've done a Memorial Day weekend show. They were not going to do that this year and instead skip May entirely and have an event in early June. And it seems that instead of uh, putting something on Memorial Day to replace this, uh, I don't know if you saw the story this week, but uh, Fabrizio Verdum, Stipe Miocic, is now expected to headline the May 14th event in Brazil, originally slated as a fight night card headlined by Vitor Belfort versus Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Now that is apparently going to be UFC 198. So Yeah, I, I did see that now that you mentioned it. Yes, I, I remember that now. So what we have is UFC 196, March 5th, with uh, Conor McGregor, Rafael Dos Anjos, Holly Holm, Misha Tate. UFC 197 sometime in April, likely April 23rd, which is the date they had scheduled for Madison Square Garden with Daniel Cormier uh, taking on John Jones for a second time. Uh, UFC 198 then in May. UFC 199 featuring the Luke Rockhold-Chris Weidman rematch. Uh, <laughs> and probably another title fight, which might be... Uh, either Demetrius Johnson's next fight if he doesn't fight earlier, which I think DJ Henry Cejudo might be under John Jones Cormier in April. Um, and I, I think 199 might then feature TJ Dillashaw, Uriah Faber 3. Those are the. Oh, that's, you mean uh, Dominic Cruz? That's what I meant. Dominic Cruz, <laughs> Freudian slip because <laughs> TJ won that fight. Anyway. Yes. Um, Take, uh, how do you think that that lines up for the UFC? Because really, honestly, by just circumventing February and still having the heavyweight title fight then in May, they haven't really lost anything. They've just traded uh, one event number for another here. 
and uh, still set themselves up for some significant fights in July. But I really, I, I'm curious to see what they can put together for 200 because right now, uh, missing the Holly Holm Ronda Rousey rematch, I'm not sure how this comes close to biggest event ever when uh, Conor McGregor fighting Rafael Dos Anjos is pretty damn big in March. Yeah, it brings it back to, I think we talked about it last time uh, we were together. Um, It it makes me wonder if GSP is on the horizon, if uh, GSP Anderson Silva might be on the horizon, if he gets, you know, if the Mike Bisping fight goes well. Um, You know, I I, I have to wonder if there's some kind of special attraction like that lined up for for 200, or if they're also counting on, you know, if it's GSP plus uh, they're counting on Conor McGregor, uh, maybe McGregor, Frankie Edgar, something like that. Um, you know, I have to think that they are hoping uh, McGregor comes out of this uh, fight with Dos Anjos relatively unscathed so that he can fight again in July. Uh, I don't know that that's a given, but, uh, um, you know, I have to think that they've got some kind of special attraction like GSP lined up, uh, GSP in particular lined up on, for July, because really I don't know what else they can, they're going to go with. Let's let's play with some theoreticals here. Let's Let's say George St. Pierre comes back and fights Robbie Lawler for the welterweight title. Yep. Let's say Conor McGregor beats Rafael Dos Anjos. He's lightweight champion and featherweight champion. He, again, has any number of options available to him. If you have GSP on this card, it's probably still going to be the co-main event under Conor McGregor at the level McGregor is at right now. If yeah, that's, especially if he's a dual-weight champion. If that's the case, what fight sells the best for UFC 200? Is it Frankie Edgar? Is it Jose Aldo? Or is it um, uh, McGregor against whomever the best lightweight contender is uh, come July 9th? Jeez, um, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know that it matters all that much. You know, I, I think it probably would be good to get him against a known quantity. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're not going to throw him in there with a nobody for a title shot. Okay, throw the, but... lightweight, throw the lightweight title out then. Frankie Edgar or yeah. Jose Aldo? Which one is bigger? Uh, I, I gotta think Aldo is bigger. I, you know, I, I would say it's it's a better. You know, I, it, of all the of all the title rematches that we're seeing, that's the one that makes the most sense, and we're not getting it. So, uh, to me, uh, that's a bigger fight because you have the you know the intrigue of was this you know it, no one's gonna call it a lucky punch, but was it, is it gonna be different if the fight lasts longer than sixteen seconds? You know, I think there's that intrigue there. Um, you know, the, the Edgar fight is still would still be big, but I think the Aldo fight would be bigger. Yeah. I Honestly, I agree with that, and I hate... I would hate for Frankie Edgar to get screwed out of another title fight. Yes. I really would, but at the same time, you would hate for Jose Aldo to get screwed out of a rematch when he was yeah. unbeaten for a decade and the only champion this division had ever had. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those situations where someone is going to get unjustly screwed over and yeah, there's there's is, no yeah. getting around there's no that. way around it yep. there just isn't there is not any way around it um because both have equally compelling uh cases for that fight with mcgregor and both fights are still massively intriguing yes the eldo fight ended in 13 seconds but it's still significantly intriguing because we want to know what happens if that punch doesn't land. 
Yeah. And we're only going to find out if a rematch happens. If it ends again in 15 seconds, okay, then right. then, then there's your answer. There is there is nothing more to that matchup. Yeah. I, that, yeah, that's I just don't see there. that ever happening. Right. Then right. again, then again, we both thought that Jose Aldo was actually absolutely going to beat Conor McGregor in December. <laughs> so what the do we know? Um, it's all true. All right, I, I do want to preview Saturday's card, but let's backtrack a bit and talk about the fights that actually took place last weekend because we'll have some fallout from that as well. Um, UFC on Fox 18 hit the Prudential Center from Newark, New Jersey last Saturday, January 30th. Anthony Rumble Johnson just uh, really, really, really demoralized and humbled Ryan Bader. Um, the... I don't think that there was anything surprising about how this played out. I think that Bader... I, I really think his confidence got zapped immediately. Having that shot stuffed and then winding up on his back, there was, it was only a matter of time, and that's exactly how it played out because Johnson took his time with the grounded pound, eventually got his back, and put him out cold badly. Like, that was... Yeah sprawled out face down unconscious ryan bader unfortunately is never going to get a title fight in the ufc i, I unfortunately for him i i guess it's it's unfortunate for him because he he had he had really earned it with the five fight winning streak and should have gotten his shot with cormier over alexander gustafson but clearly is not it, he's he's a step below that level. I don't think there's anyone a, who would believe that Bader could hang with John Jones in a rematch. There's I don't think anyone thinks that he would actually do much against Daniel Cormier, but he had deserved a right to to get that fight until Saturday night. Yeah, this this fight kind of showed further that there is the top 3 in the in the light heavyweight division, and then there's everybody else. And really, you could you could say it's the top two. It's, yeah, it's the top it's, two. It's the top two because I'm I'm sorry, Anthony Johnson. I don't think is beating Daniel Cormier, and he's not beating John Jones. Right, but nobody else is beating Anthony Johnson. Exactly, which is why it's the top two. Right. And then you know there's there's a significant step down to three, and then there's an even bigger step down to four and below. Yeah, it, and really, it's a multi-tiered division right now. Yeah, it is. It is. There's just not very many guys on the on the top two or three tiers. No. I mean, you've got you've got the top two in, like you say, Jones and Cormier. Then you've got Anthony Johnson. Then you've got Alexander Gustafson. And really, if you want to I... take it this way, I st- I think John Jones beats Daniel Cormier even more convincingly when they fight in April. Oh yeah, and I so agree you, with that. you know, it, it is this this is this is the wedding cake of divisions. That's that is we, a great way to put it. We have we have the the small uh, tippy top. Only one person is up there, and then you know it, it keeps going from there. Daniel Cormier is a step above everyone else that he's fought, except for John Jones. And it, I don't say this to I, I I know I come across as a Daniel Cormier hater when we when we get into this, and I honestly don't care because. The fact of the matter is he's not John Jones and he's not going to beat John Jones. And yeah. he didn't beat John Jones last year. And when he <laughs> comes across trying to say, 
you know, he's the man and that he actually, you know, absolutely 100% wholeheartedly deserves the belt around his waist. There's just a disconnect there between, you know, his statements and reality. I digress. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Grass. He's still a level above uh, Alexander Gustafson and uh, Anthony Johnson, despite the fact that the Gustafson fight was close. And it, it's... I, I, I've gone off on another tangent here about Daniel Cormier and I apologize, but the fact of the matter is this division is extremely, extremely bottom heavy. There's, there is one name at the top and everyone else is competing just to be competitive. Yeah. It's, it's completely accurate. No, it's completely accurate. And it's, you know, the, the funny thing is about light heavyweight, you've got, um, you know, like you say, you got John Jones, you got Daniel Cormier, and Anthony Johnson is kind of the wild card there because, I, like you say, I don't see him beating Daniel Cormier or John Jones. But, but, under the right circumstances, he can beat anybody. I mean, really, he caught Daniel Cormier with that one shot. And, uh, you know, if you don't have – the thing about Anthony Johnson is if you can't take a big punch or uh, if you can't survive an initial onslaught, you're done. And and uh, you won't get you won't get away from it because Anthony Johnson is like the ultimate puncher's chance. Like it, a lot of times when you say a puncher's chance with a guy, it just means well anybody can get lucky any given time. But then it's Anthony Johnson, the puncher's chance is something a little bit different because he's so he's still good, you know. And the the puncher's chance just means if he catches you and you can't if you don't have a really good chin, he will beat you. And so, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't think he could beat Daniel Cormier or John Jones, especially given his propensity to uh, crack um, after the first round or so. But uh, that possibility does exist, I think, if he gets in the cage with either one of them. You know, it's it's uh, and it's uh, the ultimate puncher's chance, I would say, you know, not not necessarily the lucky punch chance. But um, if he does land, he's got a chance to got a chance to beat anybody anyway. Um, yeah, it's a weird division, man, because. If if the if the top guy is gone, it's pretty clear who the uh, who the champion's going to be, and it's, and it's Daniel Cormier right now. If he's gone, again, it's pretty clear who the champ is probably going to be, and that'd be Anthony Johnson. And if he's gone, it's pretty pretty clear who the champ would be, and it would be Alexander Gustafson. And I don't know that there's any really anybody that's going to dispute that. You know, you've got those top four guys, and they're very clearly in their own tiers. You know, yeah, and, it's and it's all fairly it's very firmly set. Yeah, it's it's all firmly set yeah. in this in this field, and I, light heavyweight is is 
mostly unique in that aspect in that the challengers are clearly, you know, where they're supposed to be. Uh, and the champion is, you know, where he's supposed to be. Uh, as opposed to some others, there, there are some divisions where the champion is clearly head and shoulders above the rest, but everyone else is competitive. You yeah. know, and, and there are other divisions where, like Lightweight right now, is kind of a revolving door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Rafael Dos Anjos has looked great in his last two fights, but, you know, he's only a few fights removed from getting beat by Nurmagomedov. And he is a fighter who has been beaten several times throughout his career. So as good as he has looked, there are ways to beat him. And we we could find things shifting and changing at lightweight, depending on what happens with Conor McGregor as well. So light heavyweight's a little bit unique in that you can look at the top four right now and kind of clearly place them one, two, three, four. Everyone else is just in the field, well below the rest of them. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's very unique. I don't know that I remember a division being that clearly slotted um, before now. It's <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty unique. Let's talk about a division that is um, anything but clear. And that's the heavyweight field. Uh, ben Rothwell Saturday night submits Josh Barnett. Yeah. He forced Josh Barnett to tap. To a front choke. To a front choke. Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett. Josh freaking (laughs) Barnett tapped out to a front choke. Ben Rothwell Rothwell is is doing something special right now. And it's it's kind of a shame that the UFC is targeting the Miacic fight because, you know, as, as good as the win was over Arlovsky... As as much as his fight with Junior Dos Santos was close, man, Ben Rothwell is a more interesting fight right now. Yeah, it's hard to dispute that. Um, I I really uh, I can, but the thing is though, it's it's hard to say like either guy really deserves it more than the other necessarily. Um, at least hard for me to say it. You know, I I like I think I like the Miocic fight just about as much as I like the Rothwell fight. But like you said, I think Rothwell is the more uh, is on a more interesting run right now, uh, just because the things that have happened have been so unexpected, um, and you hate to see it. You hate to see him cool off before he gets a shot at a, at a heavyweight title. And heavyweight is such a crazy division at all times that really anything could happen at any given time. So um, the fact it's... that he not only knocked out Alistair Overeem but choked out <laughs> Josh Barnett—that's that's the thing that's sticking with me right now. And you know. Uh, go back to uh, his his debut fight was against Cain Velasquez. His UFC debut fight was against Cain Velasquez. And yeah, he lost that fight. He lost it by TKO as he was taking strikes getting back to his feet. That was one of the weirdest stoppages I can remember. And I'm not saying the fight would necessarily be different, but it's, you know, six and a half years later. And... Cain Velasquez off the fight with Verdum and so many injuries is not what he once was. If they're going Verdum Miacic, you almost have to do Rothwell Velasquez. Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's a no-brainer that you go uh, Rothwell Velasquez. I mean, what else is Cain going to do? He's not going to wait out a title shot, you know? Uh, He didn't deserve the title shot for this weekend. Exactly, and that's that's the other half. That fight shouldn't have been made to begin with. Yeah, it, it's that's this is the original slotting that it should have been to begin with. You know, you you put uh, Rothwell in there with with Velasquez to see 
Velasquez can get back to the title shot, and uh, you put Miocic in there with uh, uh, with Verdum. I mean, that that should have been made from the from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The main card Saturday also had a uh, bantamweight fight between Jimmy Rivera and Yuri Alcantara that uh, was given fight of the night kind of by default because there weren't any other really great fights on the card. Um, it definitely happened. It's definitely it, a thing it, that happened. It did happen. I, I have vague memories of fast-forwarding <laughs> through it on Sunday morning. Um, no, it, it was it was not a bad fight. It just... No. It, it's not... It's not happened. what many fight-of-the-night-level fights have been. Um, the other big story out of the Fox card was the complete derailment of the Sage Northcutt hype train. Hey, come on, the guy had strep. Uh, he it, was clearly well, impaired. Clearly. It, it, that's that's a whole other issue. Um, <laughs> he came out this week saying, yeah, like you said, he, he you know, had strep and, and said he was taken to an emergency clinic by the UFC, apparently not knowing what urgent care is. Um <laughs> I, I, apparently, this is a thing that's only known to uh, to parents, Sean. You, you, you and I obviously have a, some concept of what urgent care is. Yeah, and, I work for an urgent care company. And, and apparently, <laughs> the, there are people who don't understand the concept um, and were freaking out about Northcutt. At the same time, if he was that bad, the UFC shouldn't have put him in there. He yeah. should not have been allowed to fight. The commission shouldn't have allowed it. The UFC shouldn't have allowed it. And illnesses can affect people. It, yes. it, it's it's okay to not allow someone to fight when they are physically not capable of competing at their best. When it's, they're physically not capable of escaping an arm triangle oh, from half guard. Here's... I, I, I can't remember who made the distinction first on Twitter um, Saturday night, but there was something that I saw that I that I really I, I was the perfect view of this because uh, Northcutt's hype train had come congruently with uh, Paige Van Zant's as well in the last year, and Van Zant had her. Uh, her own hype train derailed a little bit when she got beat by Rose Namajunas in December. But there was such a massive difference between the two of them. Because despite a massive gulf of talent and skill level between what Rose Namajunas showed and what Paige Van Zant showed in that fight, Van Zant fought, scratched, clawed, did everything she could to stay in that fight as she was getting demolished. Yeah. Whereas Northcutt tapped to the setup of a submission. <laughs> this, I, it, it, the only other time that I've seen anything close to this was Rick Story's uh, guard arm triangle. But even that, that was essentially Story, locked on. That yeah, Rick Story on. was squeezing just, the crap out yes. of Brian Foster. <laughs> and, and and Foster's arm was up above his head. There yes. was no there was no you know phone booth. Uh, defense to that one at that point. This one wasn't even locked on as, as as tightly as one would expect the setup to be. That's that's what really is the takeaway here because it really seemed like Northcutt 
just completely gave up and didn't want to be in there anymore. That was the yeah. big difference. And and honestly, you know what? That's okay. That is acceptable. This is a 19-year-old kid who doesn't know what he's doing on the ground? Absolutely. Absol- <laughs> it's absolutely acceptable. But for how much hype there had been, for how much uh, promotional attention he'd gotten, for how much he'd been paid by the UFC, there, the backlash was 100% justified and, and expected. Because, yeah. honest, yeah. honest, and, and some of that's not on him. You know, the, the, right. the, the payout. Most of it, I would say, is not. Most of it's not on him. And, and really, it's it's okay. He's a 19-year-old kid. Losses are going to come. Hopefully, he learns from this and, and finds a way to, uh, you know, improve his instincts in that situation. Yeah. And, I, it, this is this is one of those classic fights for young fighters where they get into a position where they haven't been. Well, hopefully. I don't want to say he's never been in the position because you would think that he had been in that position before in training. I don't. But anyway, I, I, honestly, I don't think he had been. Well, it didn't look like it. <laughs> um, so anyway, it's it's a classic fight that that young fighters lose and then they learn from. You know, so th- this they is, also but, often do that in like their fifth fight in exactly. a bingo hall in Philadelphia. That, oh wait, that's because they were that's, ACW. That's, that's pro wrestling. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, but no, it's it's in that environment. It's not getting paid eighty thousand right. dollars and appearing on network television that's when that happens. There. Yes, and, and um, good for him. Good for him at nineteen years old absolutely. for getting the UFC to pay him forty and forty. Hundred percent. That's fantastic for him. And yep. honestly, any fighter complaining about him getting paid that should be trying to get their pay increased. What yeah. he's getting paid. It's not. It's not necessarily an indictment of the fighters not getting paid uh, that that same level. What it is is an indictment of them and their uh, management for getting the UFC to pay them that level. Because honestly, the fighters below them are signing th- those contracts. Yeah. They are not making the push for more, and they're not doing the things to get that promotional push. And some of that, you know, there's criticism to be levied towards the UFC over many things in this, in this, but it's still on the other fighters who are upset about the the way that Sage gets paid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you don't like it, then do something about it. Or, you know, it's, at least when you get the chance, Um, you know, Ben Henderson did something about it this time too. So. And we will get to that here in just a little bit. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And Um, I, I will, I will also say. Um, that in the aftermath of this whole Northcut loss thing, I am, I, I have grown to like Sage Northcut even more because of the video he posted the next day. I thought that was tremendous, spinning a basketball on his finger on a hoverboard and completely bricking the shot that he takes from the hoverboard while saying, you know, thanks for all your support, I'll be back. I love that so much. I thought it was tremendous. Look, he's he's. He's clearly a a physically gifted, talented kid. Yeah. And and there's something there. You can understand why the UFC put the promotional muscle behind him that they did. But that doesn't excuse the fact that you know, he was not prepared for the position and they pushed him too far too fast and shouldn't have thrown him out there Saturday if he was indeed as sick as he claimed. Yes. 
Uh, on the rest of the card, I'm just going to run down results quick. You can comment on any of the fights that you would like to hear. Tarek Safadine beats Jake Ellenberger. Uh, Carlos Diego for, uh, for defeated Olivier, Olivier Aubin-Mercier. Rafael Natal stopped Kevin Casey. Wilson Hayes. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dustin Ortiz by decision. Alexander Yakovlev knocked out George Sullivan. Alex Caceres beat Masio Fullen. Randy Brown, he of looking for a fight fame, um, so to speak, defeated Matt Dwyer. Damon Jackson beat Levon Makashvili and Tony Martin. Gets a UFC win over Felipe Oliveri. Um, the only one that I want to comment on is is, is Martin. Happy to see him, uh, you know, pick up a win in that fashion, given some really brutal matchmaking on the part of the UFC for him coming in. Um, he's he's been through quite the row of opponents between uh, the the losses he's had in the organization with Rashid Megamedov. Uh, Benil Dariush and Leonardo Santos. So, him 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 getting a win is kind of a feel good story here after um, some really 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 rough uh, bookings through the two years he's been with the UFC. Yeah, he had a, he had a pretty rough go of it. Um, I do I, I will bring up the uh, Safadine and um, Ellenberger fight. I, you know. I was not this. This fight did not do as much to convince me that Ellenberger is shot as I thought it would. Like I was not impressed with the, uh, you know, if I'm G, if I'm GSP, I am not impressed with that performance by Tarek mm. Safadine. Um, you know, I mean, it was fine. He got the win and everything, but for a guy who it seemed like the book was out on Jake Ellenberger at this point, and uh, it, it seemed Safadine just seemed to do very little in the fight, um, which was disappointing to me. Um, I was also a little bit disappointed in, in uh, Albin Mercier. I was, I had uh, after his after his last few fights, um, I, I thought that he might uh, uh, look a little better in this fight, but you know, didn't happen. Um, I mean, he still looks like he's like he could be a decent fighter, but it, it, you know, against uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira, uh, I thought he might have thought he might have put in a, a stronger performance. Um, but you know, not not a whole lot going on in this card really outside of the top couple fights. I think the thing with Safadine to his defense is the fact that, you know, he's he's had such issues with injury. You know, this this was his first fight in almost a year and a half. Yeah, so that's fair. There's the, there's a little bit of leeway there for him to come in and and beat someone like uh, Ellenberger the way that he did, which was still pretty convincing despite the fact that you know you didn't think Ellenberger looked that bad. 
Yes, <laughs> bending with faint praise, as Rich Hansen would say. <laughs> I mean, there's there's plenty of that to go around. <laughs> um, this Saturday, UFC right back into action in Las Vegas, uh, as we've discussed, was supposed to be a uh, pay-per-view event, is no longer a pay-per-view event, and that's for the best. It's uh, now simply a passable Fox Sports 1 card. Uh, it was never the greatest event. We've got a few really solid fights here uh, on this main card, but nothing that screamed pay-per-view. Uh, th- this was going to be a card that didn't sell well on pay-per-view regardless uh, with, with the main event that we've, again, already discussed was not necessary in that heavyweight title rematch. So now we've got a five-round welterweight fight between Johnny Hendricks and Stephen Thompson, both of them uh, top-end welterweights trying to uh, make a play for the welterweight title. Hendricks, obviously, a former champion. Thompson trying to get himself to that level. We've got Roy Nelson versus Jared Rochalt, Ovin St. Preux versus Javier Cavalcante, Joseph Benavidez versus Zach Makovsky. Uh, those, th- there's, a, there's a clear drop-off from there. <laughs> yes. But those were the fights originally scheduled for pay-per-view um, alongside that Verdum-Velasquez fight. Obviously, this is this is more than a passable Fox Sports One event. It would have been a completely unacceptable pay-per-view card, and the UFC clearly made the right decision pulling it to Fox Sports One. Uh, yeah, no question. And even as such, um, you know, I, I'm glad it's on Fox Sports One. I really like the main event a lot. I'm glad it's uh, going five rounds now. Um, the boy, the the the. The next two fights down, uh, Roy Nelson, Jared Roseholt, and Rafael Cavalcante versus uh, Ovin St. Peru, those could those could get nasty as far as uh, for staying awake purposes. Um, especially Nelson Roseholt. If that doesn't end in the first minute or so, it's going to go all 15. And it's not going to be very good. I have I have higher hopes for OSP Feijão simply yeah. because I think Feijão's shot and he's going to get hurt badly. But that's me. <laughs> there is that possibility, that's for sure. I there's also there's... the possibility that OSP can't do anything to him. It's, uh, I think that one's uh, a lot slighter of a possibility than the former. But Fair enough. Hendricks Thompson is an interesting I, fight. I should, sorry, uh, I shouldn't say can't do anything. I should say won't do anything eh. to him. <laughs> Hendricks, Hendricks Thompson is an interesting fight. I, I, you know, we talked about this before because when it was announced... It came right after Damian Maya's last win, and a lot of us were calling for uh, Damian Maya against Johnny Hendricks. And I still think that would have been a more, I, I think that would have been a, a really good fight and a really challenging fight for both of them. I'm I'm really worried uh, about Stephen Thompson just getting ground out for 25 minutes. Yeah, there is that possibility. I, yeah. I kind of like Stephen Thompson's chances in this fight. I absolutely and... do. I just, it, it really seems to me the type of fight where if, if Hendricks comes in serious about the weight cut this time around and has no issues, which by all accounts he's not going to this week, yeah, yeah. then he's got the type of skill set to completely uh, neuter what Stephen Thompson does best. <laughs> This is true. I, you know, if he, if he gets the takedown, if he doesn't have any problem getting takedowns, then then uh, Thompson is definitely going to be in for a long night. 
Um, and so are we probably. Now he but, did. Uh, he did say that you know Hendricks did say you know everyone who uh, said they were a better striker than me, I've beaten, and and said that he was going to that that he's beaten them on the feet. You know, some selective memory over how he <laughs> won fights against Carlos Condit and yeah. Robbie Lawler, but still, yeah. still, yeah. Um, hey, you know, if he wants to try and stand with Stephen Thompson, uh, go ahead, man. But I don't think it's a good idea. You know, it's a uh, bad idea. It's a really <laughs> bad idea. I mean, especially given Hendricks's propensity to not deal all that well with adversity. I mean, yeah. I sh- I- I'm not going to say he, he quits because I don't, I don't feel like he does. But he he's not Robbie Lawler when it comes to dealing with adversity. He tends to he tends to slow down and get kind of deliberate. And, um, you know, if Stephen Thompson can put him in trouble early, that could be, you know, even if he doesn't finish him in the first round, which I don't see happening, if it's not an early finish, it could still, you know, if he runs into that adversity early in the fight, um, that could be a bad thing for him, you know, and it, and it kind of depends on, on how things shake out, obviously. Um, it's a, this is a, it's a tough fight to, to really predict because you don't know which Johnny Hendricks you're going to get. Um, and you don't know how Stephen Thompson is going to be able to deal with with Hendricks's takedowns. Uh, you know he's fought guys with with decent takedowns. Probably nobody on the level of of Johnny Hendricks uh, when it comes to that. But I don't know, man. I, I I just get the I get the feeling that Stephen Thompson could acquit himself really well in this fight. I mean, honestly, Thompson's only loss in in his combat sports history is a three round decision to Matt Brown. Yeah, and that and was before it, we knew that Matt Brown is Matt Brown. It, it, it's it's not even that bad of a loss. It wasn't. It, it's just one of those that it, that was one of those fights that calls for more rounds. You know, the, yeah. there there are a lot of fights that go three rounds where it even when you have a loser, there's not much decisive about it. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's also why I like the, the, that this fight is five rounds now. Yes. I, I think that's this is that's great. It's absolutely great because three rounds was not good for Stephen Thompson. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I, I think the real questions coming into this one are how long Hendricks can can go, whether the weight cut has any effect on him, whether, you know, another 25 minute fight is something that he can go through, because honestly, he's he's faded a bit in a couple of them. Uh, especially the last fight with Robbie Lawler when Lawler did not quit in the fifth round as he did in the first one. So I'm curious to see what we get from Johnny Hendricks here. And on on the flip side, Hendricks himself has a ton to prove after the weight-cutting debacle that canceled uh, the fight with Teron Woodley last October. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's, there's a redemption angle here for Hendricks, and he, more than any uh, any former champion, maybe outside of Anthony Pettis, has more to prove to get himself back into contention. I, th- I think him and Anthony Pettis, as viable contenders who want to be uh, fighting for a title again, uh, have the highest, the the tallest hill to climb of anyone uh, in in that position right now. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I, to me, those, they are the two that fell the furthest too. Yes. I mean, you've got Johnny Hendricks who came in and I mean, really, in reality, he won that fight against GSP, and yep, and and then you know, at, at the very least, even if he hadn't, even if he didn't win, he gave GSP a, a, a better fight than anyone had in a long time. 
um, you know, came in there and did that with uh, with St. Pierre and then won that fight against Robbie Lawler, uh, which was a tremendous fight. And then since then, it's, it's just not been good. Even the win against Matt Brown um, was that's somewhat underwhelming. Get, that's why he didn't get his title fight is because yeah. of how bad that fight was. Yeah, it's it pretty pretty underwhelming. And then you've got Anthony Pettis, who kind of the same thing. I mean, this guy who's coming up the ranks and can't be stopped other than a crazy loss to Clay Guida, which, you know, spoiler alert, tended to uh, – pretended things to come. But, uh, you know, he yeah, comes, that, he comes that soaring. Yeah, that Eddie Alvarez fight was really Guida Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, it absolutely was. Really um, disappointing. I haven't always yeah. been a And, uh, you know, he comes in there and um, – and just destroys Benson Henderson, you know, who had been picking up crazy decision after crazy decision. And since then, it just it just hasn't been good for him. I mean, even the win against Gilbert Melendez, he was losing until he won, you know? So yeah. it was like... Yeah. Uh, you I, know, it, I, I still disagree with that contention because... He well, was I shouldn't say he was losing it clearly. It, it, was, it was competitive. Yeah. It was competitive. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't going in there and, and crushing Gilbert Melendez. You know, Melendez was in the fight. And, um... Uh, you know, obviously Melendez is a tough dude, but anyway, it's you know th- those two really have fallen pretty far. I mean, th- you could see after those first couple fights when they were uh, when they were champion, it seemed like they could be champion for a while, and then since then, it's just been it, it hasn't been any good for them. Yeah. Uh, co-main event: Roy Nelson still sticking around, fighting Jared Rochelt here. I dread that. Um, I dread it so much. Uh... Yeah, I I don't know what Nelson has left, but Rochelt is not a fighter who um, I want to watch. Really breeds any fear. In, in <laughs> he's the anti Anthony Johnson. Unless unless you are really 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 claustrophobic, and 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 just don't like tight spaces like that, I don't see what fear Rochelt brings in a fight. Um. I, like like I said, I think OSP beats uh, Feijão, but I also don't think Feijão has much to offer in 2016. Joseph Benavidez, Zach Makovsky is another fight which it's intriguing on some levels, but could really be bad. Yeah, it's it's funny because when I first saw it, I was like, ooh, Joe Benavidez and, and Zach Makovsky, that could be a good fight. And then I was like, well, Probably. it's still Joseph Benavidez. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I can't believe that this was ever a pay-per-view card. The way that this is is put together. I mean, and even the rest of the, the this event is just one of the weaker ones on the schedule right now. It's it's almost UFC Fight Night Zagreb bad. Oh man, it, it, that's it, that's coming up in April, and I think some of the fights on that card are going to be more entertaining than what we have here. We, Misha Sirkinov is probably going to beat up Alex Nicholson, and that might be entertaining. Mike Pyle, Sean Spencer, another one of those fights that could either be entertaining or devolve into complete garbage. That's that's the thing with a lot of these fights on this card. There's potential for something yeah. violent and exciting, and then if that doesn't happen, it's going to be bad for 15 minutes. Yes. Yeah, and that's the thing. It could be – there's not really a, a, um, a possibility for most of them to be great, but or at least uh, on the surface. But there's the possibility of okay or terrible. Like Josh Berkman, KJ Nunes. <laughs> Nunes has been awful for oh, man. quite some time, which is really surprising giving, given the uh, the way he looked through Elite XC and even some yeah. of his Strikeforce fights. 
Bergman, off a cliff. Yeah, Bergman coming down to lightweight after a failed return at welterweight. Um, Derek Lewis against Damian Grabowski could be kind of entertaining. Uh, it, but if Lewis if Lewis fails to get the first round knockout and Grabowski <laughs> fails to actually take him down and do anything, this is a clinch press for 15 minutes, and that sucks. Yep. Yep. Ray Borg, Justin Scoggins is the bright light on this prelim card, and I hope it's as good as it could be. Yeah. But that's another one that could wind up just <laughs> the two of their the, their skill sets are such that they could negate one another entirely, and that could be awful. It's it's very true the things you say. Noad Lahat has shown some potential, but he's fighting a tough Latin America competitor in Diego Rivas, who has no business being in the UFC. Speaking of no business being in the <laughs> UFC, oh, the Mickey Gall, Look at this. Mickey Gall is fighting Mike Jackson, because apparently he doesn't want to go by Michael. No. Um, for Gall's right to fight CM Punk <laughs> in June. <sighs> because Mike Jackson is probably too good. I... Mike Jackson is uh, uh, a colleague of ours, Sean, and a photographer, and he's been a credentialed member of the media in Houston at UFC events. Yeah, and he's probably too good to fight CM Punk if he wins. <laughs> <laughs> That's, this, this is this is the situation we are in. Um, I I give credit, and again, this is one of those situations where it's not meant to demean the fighters themselves. I give credit to Gall for um, having the gall to call out Punk uh, when Dana White was in attendance. You know, that's that's the thing, is he he took advantage of an opportunity, which led to a bigger opportunity, which might lead to another massive opportunity for him. And if he takes full advantage of it, all credit to him. The UFC can be absolutely shredded for the decision to put this type of fight on an event that is commanding the ticket prices they commanded in Las Vegas. <laughs> now, at least it was the first fight of the night. It's not the first fight of the night because Artem Lobov is fighting Alex White in the opener on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, all right. I, I will take <laughs> your word for that. <laughs> uh, Artem Lobov trying to ride that Conor McGregor train as long as he can. That's that's Saturday. That's 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 happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it. You know, this is one of those cards that, until you really look at it fight by fight and and see what the matchups are and what's actually happening, you might think on the surface is going to be a good entertaining event. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, the funny thing was, like, I hadn't really examined the card before the uh, the, the Velasquez and Verdun things happened, and I was like, oh, you know, Verdun, Velasquez, and Thompson, Hendricks, that's pretty good. But then when you look at the rest of what the main card was going to be, it's like, that's uh, that's not good. How were the, You look at it, and how were they ever going to charge $60 on pay-per-view for this? <laughs> right, <That's>, right. It's... <sighs> All right, moving on, moving on. Yes. Um, you know, we we talked about the at the top of the show the the main event changes 
happening. And the UFC's next fight night event after Saturday night is coming uh, on February 21st from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Donald Cerrone moving up to welterweight for the first time. He was supposed to fight Tim Means. And Tim Means got pulled on Wednesday for a potential violation of the USADA anti-doping policy. So depressed. Um, Means is proclaiming his innocence, says that he honestly does not know how the substance he supposedly tested positive for wound up in his system, believes there's either a lab error or a tainted supplement, and he's trying to get every test done that he possibly can. It's it's a really disappointing situation overall, and I, the replacement fight is one of those that just doesn't make any sense for Cerrone himself, and is very transparently the UFC picking something that they think they can market, because it's, it's Donald Cowboy Cerrone against Alex <laughs> Cowboy Oliveira, so the UFC could put Cowboy vs. Cowboy on their poster. There's really no other reason for this fight to be happening. Uh, yeah, and and calling that a reason is pretty. It's kind of stretching it. it. It it's it makes sense for for Oliveira take advantage of an opportunity. Sure. Absolutely, he looked good against Piotr Hallman. He's had some some highlights in the UFC. It's not like he's a bad fighter. But Cerrone's coming off of a title fight, and is one of the yeah. longer tenured guys in the organization. There are so many more interesting fights for Donald Cerrone. At also, this, at the, yeah, sorry, it, but at the same time, Cerrone is not a the kind of guy who really cares who's against yeah. him in the cage. Also, isn't isn't Oliveira a lightweight too? So, like, is he moving up to welterweight, or is it just for this fight, or what is that? Well, it's funny because he is a, a lightweight, but two of his four fights in the UFC have come at welterweight because of short notice situations like this. In one oh. of them, he <laughs> choked out KJ Noons. So, you know, there's that. There is always that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this might be the it's most a mess. underwhelming. It's a complete mess. <laughs> first of all, there's some kind of conspiracy because first you got my guy, Yoel Romero, testing positive, And then now you got my guy, Tim Means, testing positive. I feel like my guy's are testing positive now, and I don't understand why that's happening. Next thing, next thing you know, uh, because like you uh, because you cheer cheaters, Sean. Oh, well, obviously, <laughs> obviously. Next thing you know, Gabe Gonzalez is going to turn up positive, and then my whole world is just going to turn upside down. Then Eddie Alvarez, and you know that it's just going to be all over for me. I, I mean, none of that would surprise me. <laughs> there are very few guys in the sport where I would be legitimately surprised if anything popped up. On, on their uh, random drug tests. That's, like, that's a fair it's, point. It's, it's, it's Michael Bisping, maybe Tim, Tim Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. And Probably Cowboy Cerrone, too. It, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> except for the fact alcohol. that he has failed a drug test before. So <laughs> That's true. That's, uh, but it, really, honestly, it's, it's Bisping and Kennedy. And, yeah. And, and I don't know that there are many more that I would put on that list. Yeah. Yeah, I, that I would, agree. That would legitimately shock me. Yep. And so it, I'm inclined to, to believe Tim Means on it being a supplement because the supplement industry is completely Terrible, insane corrupt, and corrupt and unregulated and all of that. But 
USADA's response is going to be, well, we advise you not to use supplements because of that very reason. <laughs> right. You're using them wrong. at your own risk. They're, they're not wrong. Because it doesn't matter what's on the label on supplements because most right. of the time what's in them is absolutely nothing to do with what's on the label. That, yeah, and, and, it's usually testosterone. And that's <laughs> and, and and so it's it's such a it's it's such a their issue, you know. And and it's oh, yeah. it's it's a known issue. Everybody knows yes. about it. So you know you you use them at your own risk. It's just how it is. And and, and he says he, you know, Means says that he's been drug tested on these supplements before. Well, that's assuming that taking the same supplement. Yeah. many years in a row means that you're having the same supplement every time exactly. because every bottle you get every jar you get every sample you get is not going to be the same thing because you are using an unregulated product that is known to have all sorts of random things in them that should not be in them so it's hard to have full sympathy at the same time you can believe that perhaps he didn't knowingly take anything and yeah. it might suck that he could lose two years because of of that and but that's it's a whole other issue about getting supplements out of sports entirely and that's just not happening anytime soon yeah so yeah what Sucks. do you think <laughs> uh now we're looking at a a card on February 21st with uh, Cowboy vs. Cowboy. Derek Brunson in a co-main event against Juan Carnero, which actually is not a bad fight. Uh, but then Cody Garbrandt against John Lineker and Dennis Bermudez against Tatsuya Kawajiri and Brandon Thatch against C.R. Bahadurzada. This, it, it, James Krause against Shane Campbell. This is one of those, this is the opposite of Saturday's yes. card. Yes. This is the opposite of Saturday's card wherein it would be shocking if these, if every single one of those fights turned out to be boring or dull or anything less than at least violent. Yeah, Cody Garbrandt and John Lineker I like a lot. Um, Brandon Thatch, Sierra Bahadurzada is one of those fights that, like, you might look past it on the card, but, man, that could be tremendous. Like, Bahadurzada, we haven't seen him in, like, forever. What's it been, like, two or three years almost? Something um, like that. Yeah, it's at least, at least a couple years, I gotta think. And, um, you know, he looked, well, you know, he was, wasn't he the one that beat Paulo Tiago before we knew that Paulo Tiago was terrible? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So I think, I think he started the, uh, Paulo Tiago, uh, bandwagon downhill. Yes. <laughs> he lit Paulo Tiago's bandwagon on fire and rolled downhill. <laughs> I think that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, I, I think he wasn't all that great after that, but Brandon Thatch is a ball of violence. So, you know, him fighting really anybody is going to be good. Um, Tatsuya Kawajiri, they, they always get me with the name because, you know, I see his name and I get excited, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, he's not, it's not pride. Um, but it's still... Yeah, but Kawajiri's actually not been bad in the UFC. That's the thing. Yeah, he... but he hasn't been old Tatsuya Kawajiri, though. <sighs> You're not. You're asking too much to ask for old Tatsuya Kawajiri, and it depends on how old. Because if you want to go just you know a few years old, a few years old Tatsuya Kawajiri got destroyed by Gilbert Melendez in Strikeforce. So yeah, you're not lying. That's a very true thing. <laughs> That's not, true thing that happened. But still, you know, I I, I um 
I like the fight a lot. Uh, you know, Desmond Mudez is, is a fun guy to watch. And Tatsuya Kawajiri, even though he is not pride Tatsuya Kawajiri, is still Tatsuya Kawajiri, and he's fun to watch. So it's, it's it still should be good. Yeah. Um, I want to get to Benson Henderson, but I, I since we're on this, uh, let's just uh, go out to future fights because the UFC has been building up, uh, at least through reports, the next Fox event in April, and it's it's looking pretty damn solid right now. Um, Tony Ferguson was initially going to return in March uh, in a rematch of his uh, one of his only UFC losses. It might be his only only UFC loss to Michael Johnson. Um, and instead, Johnson pulled out of that fight, and Ferguson moved to April to have a number one contender fight with uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, which Nurmagomedov says is going to be the five-round main event on Fox. Hopefully it is, despite there being technically bigger names on this uh, this card so far, because that's the fight most deserving of five rounds. But here's what we've also got, at least uh, reported as of now. Rashad Evans against Shogun Hua. Michael Chiesa against Benil Dariush. Besh Kohea against Raquel Pennington. Cub Swanson against Hakran Diaz. Tisha Torres against Rose Nami Yunus, and Leota Machida against Dan Henderson, and nobody cares about that fight because it sucked the first time. <laughs> Why are they making that fight again? I have no idea. That's the one booking in the next several months that just makes absolutely no sense to me. That yeah, makes uh, less sense to me than Cowboy versus Cowboy. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's that's kind of mind-boggling. Um, yeah, so the uh, what was I talking about? The uh, Tony Ferguson, <laughs> Tony Ferguson, and uh, distracted and, uh, by the suckiness of Machida Henderson too. Yeah, I was kind of distracted by that. Um, I mean, really, it's going to be Dan Henderson looking for the left hand the whole time, and Machida staying out of the way and throwing a couple of leg kicks from time to time. Anyway, uh, Tony Ferguson and Nurmagomedov. Um, are they going to wrap Nurmagomedov in bubble wrap between now and then so that it actually happens? I don't wonder if that's an option or if they're just going to trust that he's going to stay healthy. I don't know. Um, but hopefully he does, and hopefully we get five rounds out of it because that's a tremendous number one contender fight um, and easily the, the best fight on that card, uh, you know, from, from what you're telling me here. Um I I'm curious that, what uh, the what the main card is going to be. If they have four main card main card fights on Fox, if they have Evan Shogun and Machida Henderson over some of these other fights, I'm, that's kind of a bummer because it is. But there's no way those guys are fighting on the prelims. I know, and that's the thing that messes with me because Cub Swanson, Hakran Diaz, and Tisha Torres, Rose Namajunas, especially, yeah, I want to see on, on the main card. But then Betchko Hea against Raquel Pennington is a, is a really solid fight. And honestly, the the toughest fight that Kohei has had outside of the, the Rousey loss. And yep. at the same time, you know, if anyone deserves to go from pay-per-view main event to UFC Fight Pass headliner, it's Betch Kohei. Um, <laughs> but I, even I mean, Kiesa Dariush think... is a good fight. You know, yeah, it's, it's a good fight. Are, a lot of really interesting fights, and Leona Machida Dan Henderson is going to take a main card spot over several of oh. them. <laughs> and it's just a bad fight. It's a bad fight. 
But yeah, I, I got to think, you know, uh, you know, Evans, Evans Hua and, and Machida Henderson are going to be on the main card. And I, I you, you got to put Swanson and Diaz in the opener, don't you? You would think, but uh, yeah, I, I suppose they're probably going to save Torres Namajunas for the Fox Sports 1 final yeah. bout. Yeah. Unless they go with uh, uh, prelims on Fox, which they've done a few times. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, because these fights are all worthy. You know, they're all pretty good fights. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do here. But it's definitely a solid card for sure yeah. um, outside of the uh, outside of the name only uh, fight of Machida Henderson. Let's talk about Benson Henderson and uh, the, the move he made this week that that could very well have significant ramifications moving forward. Um, after his win over uh, Jorge Masvidal last November in South Korea. He was a free agent. He finished out his deal with the UFC. Um, he had headlined 10 of his last 11 fights in the UFC. Wow. Three of them on Fox, three of them on pay-per-view. He, Benson Henderson uh, put together a, uh, I believe, 11-3 and three mark overall in the UFC through 14 fights. He is now a Bellator rostered fighter. He signed with Bellator MMA this week, uh, citing just a lot of intangibles to the offer, uh, and as Dana White hinted, more upfront money than what the UFC had offered him. He did say that the UFC came with a strong offer. That's how he characterized it. Um, Dana White said that uh, there was significantly more money by a wide margin for him had he recaptured a UFC title, but that's assuming that they gave him a shot in the first place. Yeah, come on. Um, so instead, Benson Henderson on a two-fight winning streak is one of the first... I, I, I'm trying to think if he's the first since Andre Arlovsky as a former champ to leave on a winning streak. I think he might be. Um, and he enters Bellator in April... On April 22nd at Bellator 153, taking on Andre Koroshkov for the Bellator Welterweight Championship. He says he's going to be uh, switching weight classes between welterweight and lightweight, so we could have a potential Conor McGregor situation where we have a two-division uh, two division champion um, in Henderson. And honestly, I would not put that past him because he immediately becomes probably the best fighter on Bellator's roster. Yeah, no question. Um, I, I can see this from both sides because uh, Ben Henderson had a lot of value, I think, to the UFC in that he was dependable. Uh, he's not a guy who pulled out of a lot of fights. Um, like you said, he headlined a ton of fights in the UFC. He was one of those guys you can stick on Fox. He's a known quantity. People are going to tune in. Uh, even if it's not like Tito Ortiz numbers necessarily, it's still... Um, uh, you know, he was he was someone that people were willing to watch, especially since, you know, his last few fights when he, when he moved to welterweight and, and uh, kind of changed up his style a little bit. Um, but I can also see how he was a little bit expendable, too, because he's not a guy that is going to be ch challenging for a title anytime soon, if ever. Uh, quite honestly, you know, I think lightweight is a is a shark tank. Um, and we already saw what he was capable of against the top of the. Uh, the top of the division down there obviously was was champion for a few fights, um, but never really put together a string where he was dominant. You know, um, 
took some disputed decisions. You know, nothing, nothing wrong with that, but he certainly got the uh, got the fortunate side of the judges from time to time. Um, and at welterweight, uh, you know, I just don't see Ben Henderson hanging around at the top of the welterweight division in the UFC. Um, Bellator obviously, obviously is a different story, um, but. Uh, you know, I, I can see why he would go with more money up front, obviously, because, like you said, the, the back-end money was the, would be dependent on a title shot in the first place. Um, and you'd be silly to count on that kind of money uh, on something that the UFC controls. Um, so I think, the th- I think the deal makes sense, really, for everybody on a certain level. You know, if the UFC had their way, obviously, they'd probably rather have him um, to fill in, you know, in, in events where they need a guy to, to headline a show. Uh, especially with the number of event, uh, number of events they put on, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I can see why they why they would let him go too. So it's it, it's probably the best thing for everybody, and it's the best thing for everybody too because if you're going to start seeing more guys wait till they get to free agency and then kind of get into uh, you know even a even a small bidding war, um, you know, for these for these mid tier guys, it's going to drive up their value, and that's a good that's good for everybody. The only thing that I saw as as an issue was Dana White's characterization of why they were willing to, you know, uh, let him go. In in saying, you know, uh, he he's a former champion, but he's now ranked 15th, and we're looking for guys on their way up, not on their way down. <laughs> he's only 15th because they he switched divisions and. Some on the UFC's dubious rankings panel decided not to vote for him at lightweight, and so he yeah. he and he he might be the only fighter ranked into actual weight classes. Uh, yeah. Prior to this, so it's it's a complete mischaracterization of of where Benson Henderson is at because honestly, yeah, the loss to to Rafael Dos Anjos. Looks better now that Dos Anjos has yes. gone on to capture the title and dominate Donald Cerrone. The loss to Donald Cerrone in January, I don't know that he lost that fight. It was a questionable yep. decision. At the same yep. time, I don't know that he beat Josh Thompson. I don't know that he beat Frankie Edgar in the rematch. You know, there are those fights as well. At Still, still, this is a guy who through 12 of his 14 fights was no lower than a co-main event for the UFC. He drew... Millions upon millions to Fox. He, he he was a proverbial needle mover, and yet uh, they 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 let him go. And in some respects, again, I'm with you. It might be the right move for them overall. It sends a sign that there is competition, but it is also a sign that the UFC is going to have to pay more money for more fighters that they want to keep because there is money out there for these guys and more and more of them seeing what happened with Benson Henderson are going to try to, uh, to get paid. They're going to try to find their worth and that's what needs to happen. It absolutely, that's, that's the good part about this is it's a sign that it can happen and it should happen. It's not going to be the case for everyone. And there, there are a lot of fighters who are going to try and fail in uh, their attempts to get more than what the UFC would offer them. But for fighters like Henderson, who have some name value and, and who are in the position that he was in, it, it's absolutely worth 
finding out what they can get elsewhere. Yeah, I, that pretty much sums it up. You know, it's I I don't know that it, I don't know that I would call it the right move for the UFC to let to let uh, Henderson walk, but I get it. You know. Yeah, I can I can understand it. I still think, in some ways, it's a misstep. In some ways, it's a it can be considered a significant misstep because you know they they want to they want to consider themselves the elite of the elite that they have the best of the best. And when you have someone as good as Henderson is, despite some of the losses he's had, to take him off of the roster and and have him head up someone else, someone else is a sign that you don't have the best of the best then there. So right. it, it's it's also incumbent on you know Henderson following through and doing what he needs to do in Bellator, um, because if he beats Koroshkov. If he goes on and takes the title from Will Brooks, if he defends both off and on, you know, he, he could make himself a bigger deal than he is leaving. And that he's, he, he said when he went into free agency that he wants to retire in the UFC and that he thinks he's going to retire in the UFC. So I don't think we've seen the last of him in the octagon. Um, and it depends on what he does in the Bellator cage to come back as an even bigger deal when he does return to the UFC, however many years down the line. Yep. yep that's about right. Yeah. Anything else on UFC on Fox 18, Saturday's card, anything else that we've touched on tonight before we wrap up? I don't think so. God, you're boring, Sean. I am boring tonight, <laughs> aren't I? <laughs> uh, it's all right. It's all right. You're out of practice. This is your first show in like a month and a half. You disappear. I know. <laughs> you show up out of nowhere like it's like it was nothing. It's quite all right. I think you went like a two-year hiatus before you started doing it regularly again. Anyway, so <laughs> wouldn't be the first time, Sean. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure what you're talking about. I think that's our show for tonight. So I want to thank everyone for listening in. Uh, hopefully, we will be back next week to recap whatever happened uh, on Saturday's card. And to look ahead to uh, another packed schedule in February and what is sure to be even more craziness throughout the next week because that is the world of MMA on a week-to-week basis. Something always seems to happen. So, Sean, hopefully I will talk to you next week. And yes, uh, we will continue moving forward in this craziness that is already the 2016 MMA schedule. So, for Sean Ennis, this is Jamie Pennock signing off. 